0: Burlesque Stripped Down, episode number 21. Hello, welcome back once again, ladies and gentlemen, this is Velvet Eau Claire, your guide through all of those secrets, saucy, sexy, and otherwise, the secrets of the ladies and gents behind the tassels here on Burlesque Stripped Down. Welcome back to our old listeners, and welcome to any new listeners. I hope that you enjoy everything we've got going. Of course, I'm continuing on with the amazingness. I've already warned you, if you've been listening to the last few episodes, how many times I'm going to say the words amazing over the next few months, because the lineup, I have of guests is just nothing other than amazing. So today, keep listening. I do have an interview with Ava Valentina from My Troop Burlesque Moulin. Not too many announcements today before we get started. Just wanted to let you all know um, if you missed last week's episode with um, Sapphira, you should definitely check that out. On the hot tips last week, we also went over some ways to kind of be incorporating burlesque or just your art in general into your everyday life so you don't have to kind of section or compartmentalize those off so much so definitely have a listen to that I would really love to hear any other things that we didn't include um, there was a lot of we were a lot of talking a lot about dance elements and I'd really love to hear any other things outside of that that you also do um, in your everyday life you know maybe you go to the supermarket and and act as your character instead of your normal self I don't know silly stuff like that just send me an email of course um, if you listened you may know I have a new uh, voicemail thing as as well on our website. So if you go to burlesquestripdown.com, you can head just any on the show notes pages. You can go to the right side of that page and it, there's a little purple bit that says leave a message and you can just click on that and with your computer um, or your, even your phone, I think that has a microphone in it, you can just leave up to 90 seconds. And I would really love to hear your voice, your beautiful, sultry, amazing voices um, to kind of give me your feedback on the podcast in general or specifically on what you do to kind of incorporate burlesque into your everyday life. So definitely do that. If you'd rather not have your voice on, just send me an email, velvet at com after this interview today with Ava, I do have a couple shout-outs I'd like to give as well to some ladies who have sent me some messages that I absolutely love. So let's go ahead and get into uh, my interview today. Ava Valentina is a fantastic performer. She is—you'll uh, hear me mention this in in the interview as well. I credit her as being kind of my my mother hen. She's like a you know my, my getting me in to this burlesque world in general, and so I I cannot thank her enough for that. She's an amazing human being. I am so thankful to know her on a professional and a personal level. Um, just, just fantastic. Words cannot describe this woman. She's amazing. So let's tell I'm going to tell you a little bit about her. She was bitten by the showbiz bug at a very young age. And now Ava Valentina has dedicated her life to the magic of production. She's trained in a variety of disciplines, including acting, dancing, improv, and music. And in 2009, her admiration for the stage was rekindled after studying the art of burlesque at the School of Shimmy under the notable Dottie Lux. Instantly, she took to the burlesque scene, both as a performer and a stage kitten. And then she graced the stages of acclaimed shows like Red Hot's Burlesque, First Friday Follies, and Hubba Hubba Review at the Uptown, all in San Francisco. Inspired by a trip to Paris in late 2009, Ava teamed up with the burlesque legend Isis Star – we'll hear a little bit more about that story in the interview – and they created an homage to the early years of music hall and cabaret, and then in July 2010, Burlesque Moulin was born. Since its debut, Ava has had the pleasure to feature top-billing burlesque and cabaret talent. Her shows have been hailed as being an explosion of feminine sexuality and have been greeted by enthusiastic, often sold-out audiences – she continues to bring her love of art and attention to detail to each and every production and is currently hard at work creating and maintaining everything at Burlesque Moulin Paris. So I'm just going to kind of go ahead and get right into this. Again, words cannot describe how amazing she is. We're going to get into some of her story, her amazing, uh, transformation as, as far as a performer, getting into burlesque, finding these amazing stars to work with, the ups and the downs. Um, her, her kind of wor- lower moment stories are really, really, um good to listen to. Of course, they're heartbreaking to hear, but th- they're great to kind of hear that we all go through these things, right? To make us feel not so alone. Um And then we kind of go into some of the challenges that she has as far as creating her brand and everything like that, which of course, as you all know, is something that's very uh near and dear to my heart is this idea of branding. So have a listen and I will be back right after the interview to tell you a few more things. Yes, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. I have the beautiful, the fabulous, the talented Ava Valentina here with us today. So excited to get in and talk with her a little bit. As I mentioned in the intro, she is a member of Burlesque Moulin, which is my troop, uh, my honorary troop, kind of when I'm in Paris. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but she is a good friend of mine, and I credit her with introducing me to the whole world of burlesque. Because if she hadn't put that little note in the meetup, uh, the meetup group, the, what yes. are they, the forums or the message board? They don't even, nobody even ever. Looks at those, but I happen to look at them and that got me involved uh, with Burlesque Moulin. So, welcome, Ava. How are you doing today? Thank you. Uh, I'm doing great. I'm super stoked to be
1: here chatting with you, Velvet, Um, on an an unofficial level, you know, because we talk off the record all the time, but here we're on the record record. Uh, I'm really excited. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, it's just super blessed to be sitting with you chatting
0: about what we love the most. All right. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. What do you have going on, whether it's in your life, in burlesque, anything that you are just the most excited about right now? The things I have going on I'm most excited about are so many, (laughs) Uh,
1: (laughs) which I'm really happy and really blessed to have the opportunity to say that. In burlesque, I really feel like this year, 2016, actually even the end of last year, um, was a big catalyst year for the growth of burlesque moulin. Uh, We went from just two of us, Polly Pony Girl and I, uh, working on really hustling and trying to get this up and running as best as possible here in Paris, to bringing on board an amazing team and converting that into a troupe of, uh, you know, powerful, creative, inspiring women. And so, in general, I feel like right now, this is the time that Burlesque Mulan is blossoming. So, you know, with women like you, Velvet, with we have Babette, we have Fol de la Gap, we have Josie La Riveteuse, and we have Baby Love. Um, it's just, I'm, where it's amazing to be all together and really pushing forward for all the fantastic things we have coming up. So, we just launched our brunch burlesque, or burlesque brunch. Um, in January and that was a smash success and so now we're going to turn that into a monthly and so we've been wanting to do that for a while so it's really cool that that's finally taking off and connecting with all the different uh, top blogs out here and the um, hotels and you know more of the travel industry to be able to tap into that and show some of the tourists a little bit of living in Paris in burlesque in a kind of expat meets France kind of way. So that's really cool. I'm excited about that. They're a lot of fun. You were here for the one in January, which was great. I was.
0: Yeah, it was It was nice to be a part of kind of, you know, the, the the first one and see, yeah. and it was such a great turnout for that. I was so, not surprised, but I was so just pleasantly thrilled, I guess, with yeah, it, well, as you opposed never to unpleasantly know. thrilled. I don't know.
1: You never know with what you're putting out there. Sometimes it could be backed, in it. You know, you have this huge success and sometimes uh, it's like crickets. You're like, Hello? yeah one person two people um, and so I'm really excited about that we've got uh, this year's just chock full of amazing amazing things we've got our school which is blossoming we're looking for a home studio that we can actually call the burlesque Milan studio um, and until then right now we're really focusing on introducing the local burlesque population and just the Parisians in general to um, kind of like American-style burlesque through all the different entertainers and burlesque artists that come from the States primarily. Um, and so we have a program called Classes and Cocktails where we invite uh, people like Princess Farhana or Coco Electric or Lexa Croix or Mimi Lamo to come and teach and then do a QA and a over cocktails so that the uh, people can really get to learn from them in more than just one way. And um uh, glad on top of that, we've got uh, the really cool thing is we've got a film crew coming out from Colombia in September to shoot a new media project we are putting together. So we're really excited about that one and hoping you can come out and join us.
0: I sure hope so. We'll, we'll have to see how that works. Yeah, it's, it's so exciting. There's so many great things going on. I mean, as I've said from the beginning, I think one of the things that, you know, Burlesque Moulin has is that it's such a unique blend because it is bilingual and, you, you know, it's French and American, Franco American together. And I I think that's just such a unique perspective to be centered in paris but to be able to bring in these teachers from you know from america have those connections um not that other troops couldn't do that but you can you know we can kind of offer kind of a unique take on it which is amazing yeah yeah and
1: it's a great way for us to
0: to find our place to fit in
1: as well because it's not necessarily yeah. easy to come from outside and when I first moved here um about five years ago I, I didn't know anybody you know I, I got married married a Frenchman moved out here from San Francisco where I started burlesque and started burlesque Muna and came here really not knowing what I was going to expect and at that point burlesque was in its early infancy and there were some of the staples um doing burlesque women who are still you know producers who are still. Uh, doing burlesque to this day and, um, are turning out to be really fantastic, very well known internationally. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there, you know, I didn't really know how to fit in cause I, you know, I didn't want to come and say, Hey, I'm French and you know, not, and my right. style, the way I had been kind of taught coming in from Dottie Lux's school of shimmy and the vibe more in San Francisco, which was definitely more in the neo burlesque side. Mm-hmm. Um, and here I saw a lot of the more classical, which was, which is absolutely fantastic. But I realized, well, how can I make a way for for my brand to fit in, Um, and then by being able to connect with a fellow American, but who'd been here so much longer, uh, Polly, and then for us to build it to what it is now, I I think it's the best way for us to put who we are at heart and culturally into this mix and be able to interact with Paris in a way that feels kind of legitimate to who we are. Exactly. It's all
0: about, you know, carrying that authentic, you know, authentic we were talking all in December about authenticity right. and just to really, really be authentic with, like you said, you didn't want to come in and kind of pretend to be something that you weren't. Right. You want to bring in yours, and I think that that's, you know, that's useful for everybody. Even, you know, the those figures who are already in the burlesque, the Paris burlesque right. scene. You know, it's nice for them to get, you know, kind of a new perspective as well. So this, um, this film that's coming in, or the the art, the media project, whatever that ends up being, is that going to be kind of bilingual, French and English as well? Yeah.
1: Um, it's going to be. It's, I think it's going to be predominantly English with French through lines or, or with a, maybe a, a, a dash of franglais, so the mix of uh, French and English together. My my goal of what we're working with, um, the film per, well, producer, I suppose, and director as well, um, if he's gonna stay directing, is, um, is also really give it a transmedia kind of experience. So my background besides theater is in film, television, and media production in general is what I studied when I went to university. And I've always been fascinated and kind of well-versed on the transmedia world. And I believe that burlesque has that possibility because burlesque can take on so many different, um, can be manifested through so many different platforms mm-hmm. and distributed. So I would really love it for it to not just be there like a media that's, you know, web, but also have a theatrical aspect and have a live aspect to it since that already exists, that part. So kind of trying to make it a bit multi more multifaceted than just a, a little one-off project, but...
0: But that's all in the that's, work, so that's really yeah, that's really really exciting. And because, and, you know, as you know about me, and, and some of my listeners probably know as well, I'm really into kind of some you know some different like social media and different kind of multimedia, just kind of incorporating all of that in there. So I'm really excited to see, even if I can't actually be there for the filming in Paris, I'm so excited to be a part of it um, as I can, and then kind of just see how this how it develops and see what we're in such a unique place in human history, or however we want to say it right now, that we have all of these. You know, we're, we're on, you know, kind of the precipice of something new, I think, developing these multimedia, that's something that's not just live action, not just, I mean, have you seen, this is a, a random example, but that there's that new movie, um, something hardcore Henry or something like that. I don't know if it's be even being um, being advertised over in France at all, or if it would have that same title because I don't know it. exactly. But it's a really unique one. It, I don't know if I love the idea, but they're doing it all uh, like the the video is first person, so as if it's almost like a video game or something like that. But it's like a, a film with a normal through line and you know live action and everything like that. But it's it's all from a first person perspective, and thing. so it's still a film, but it just kind of it's one of those interesting. You know, people are doing these experiments to try and see how they can combine different medias together. Well,
1: there's also that the very first, I don't know if you've seen it, I think it's Loving Van Gogh, which is the first, uh, all of a sudden all the videos started going online. Um, It's the first uh, film ever produced by oil painting. And they're making something like 60,000 paintings in the style of Van Gogh. It's absolutely stunning. And it's really
0: fascinating what they're doing. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. You know, I did see that, of course, on Facebook yeah. there's coming through yeah, my yeah. feed, but I haven't actually I didn't actually get a chance to click if or I look into it, the trailer at all. At it. You'll see, you know, you who are like
1: me, who love all the possibilities of what's happening with emerging media. Um, it's an absolutely stunning oh,
0: what I see. Great. It's going to be
1: a stunning masterpiece. I mean, you know, well, hopefully the story will be able to follow it, but already visually, it's it's quite fantastic.
0: Very cool. Well, I'll go ahead. I'll I'll also I'll check that out definitely, and I'll also put it in the show notes. And by the way, if uh, to those of you listening, you can easily find the show notes as per usual by going to our homepage burleskstrippeddown.com. You can find it linked right from that page, or directly to this show notes page at burleskstrippeddown.com/slash ava e v a. So I'll link that. You know, we'll go ahead and put the video in there so we can check out some of the different you know kind of multimedia things that are going on. It's so exciting. It really, really is. Yeah. And I
1: think burlesque can totally be a part of it.
0: And little by little, I
1: do see people taking it from the theater space into the multimedia space, which is cool. Mm -hmm. And I know there's some people here in in Paris that are slowly but surely getting up some web series and doing some things. So it's great to be getting
0: in right now at that time um, when you can can do it. Yeah, that's something I'm super passionate about. And even starting this podcast, even though it's not directly like burlesque Um, we're not performing on the podcast but we are you know using different types of media I think for a long time burlesque you know had been along with other you know other forms of of performance and things kind of in that world where it's like this is what we can do we can perform on stage how do we do this right and that's great but I think there's you know there's room to kind of grow and that's something that I feel really passionate about is using these strengths I was super interested in podcasting and I was like well maybe I should kind of combine those two together so finding where people have this is you know like I said this is something that I'm I'm developing in my head and kind of working with um, some private clients on as well to kind of find where their outside passions can intersect with the
1: burlesque world as well. And I think that's the most important because I think that that's the power of burlesque that it's so individual, Mm
0: -hmm. uh, but it
1: has the opportunity to speak to masses. um, But it's in the individual expression where it really takes its color and flourishes Exactly. Um, And that's why we go to see performers and we like particular performers over others just because they've added their level of individuality or their sauce to it to make their own kind of mixture. And that's what makes it really, really cool. And on that random note, I have found a way to finally do Pocket Peep Show, but I will tell you off
0: the record. Ooh, our little secret! Yes, because we were talking about doing something along those lines. We were looking at some different platforms to do that with. So I'm super excited to hear about that. (laughs) That's really good. Pocket Peep Show coming to a phone near you. A pocket near you. A pocket near you. That's better. (laughs) Um, So you mentioned a little bit, you know, having, you know, some of your background in different types of multimedia and film and theater. Tell us a little bit more about your journey um, and is particularly how you came to transition into the burlesque world.
1: So how I started into all that is my life. Well, it all started when I was two. (laughs) <laughs> I was born to a humble family.
0: <laughs> all right, keep in mind we only have about 45 minutes on this. Podcast. <laughs> okay, I'll fast forward
1: till I was like at That's least high school, college. Okay, let's go to college. But so, all joking aside, I, I did grow up in a kind of a theater-based lifestyle. Um, I played music. My whole, my sisters and I, we all played music. Always doing the drama and the theater in school. So that was always a really huge part of my life. And actually, what I really wanted to do was be a Broadway star. Growing up. Um, but the sad truth was I cannot sing. And for me, I wanted to do like Broadway musical style. And so, uh, realized I couldn't sing, decided I'll take, I'll follow the dance route. Um, and then when I went to NYU, at that point, I did this whole thing of like, so hard to make a living being a theater performer. Um, let me do something a little more practical, like politics
0: thrilling like a great substitution
1: politics yeah so that became the substitution I wanted to be a diplomat studied that for a little while then moved to Puerto Rico studied politics woke woke up one day and uh, actually after a trip to Venezuela and the uh, near Amazon River area the Delta I woke up Uh and said I want to do film Um, found my way to California found my way to film school and became a writer more than anything, that's what I do, uh, above all, is i um, a screenwriter. And more than – I love sh- content. So I create story world. I create content. Um, and that takes all of my experience as an actress, as an, as a director when I was doing that in film school, um, mm-hmm. as everything and all the arts that I've ever studied, and incorporates them into kind of the one medium of filmmaking, which was what really my main focus was. Mm-hmm. And in 2009, I was bartending. While, um, you know, also working independent film jobs. And my then co worker invited me to see his band perform, and they were the opening band for this burlesque show. And um, it was in Oakland, the first Friday Follies. And so I went out there and I saw them. And then all of a sudden, I see these women on stage do this stuff that's called burlesque. <laughs> and, I, and then burlesque had been in San Francisco prior to then. And I had seen it before, different venues. I just didn't, I've, it didn't call me, it wasn't at that time, I suppose. But mm-hmm. I walk in there, I see it here in Oakland, First Friday Follies, and there's these performers, and they're doing this stuff, and it's called burlesque. And I'm thinking, I can do that. And, that's yeah. awesome. and I've been wanting to get back to the stage after so long. And I figured, well, this is a really great way. I'm too busy to, you know, do an entire play production and go to rehearsals and, you know, do that. But I can build numbers on my own. I can really, you know, create the costuming, and I can put these acts and create little one acts. And by sheer coincidence, and you know, I left totally enthralled and being like, I got to do that. The next day I went shopping, walked into this little boutique in Oakland, and one of the producers of the show, Little Cupcake, I go up to her and I'm like, I saw you last night. Um, you were doing this burlesque show. Where can I take classes? And she directed me to uh, Dottie Lux
0: and her school of shimmy. And that's how it all started. That's so funny. See, the universe just conspires to put us in the right places at the right time, doesn't it? Yeah.
1: No, was absolutely fascinating because I know I walked away from that show thinking like, I really want to do this, but I don't even know where to begin. Mm-hmm. And the next day I ran into the person and she gives me the number to the, you know, the woman who I contribute, you know, I call my mentor whom I absolutely love. Yeah. We've hosted her here in Paris with
0: honor. Um, And so I, I it was just a perfect, it was like, Kismet. Kismet. That's that that is the word for it. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's similar to I mentioned earlier that that, you know, that meetup message that I saw. And, you know, I was looking for something I had just moved to Paris, something to kind of make my own outside of, you know, work or relationships and things to kind of make my own. And, you know, but I was like, oh, I can't really afford burlesque classes. So it worked out well to do, you know, I kind of started doing some things in exchange for those classes, you know, doing social media and things like that. So. Which we're so
1: blessed to have you. (laughs) And it was great. Again, you to for somebody to answer. We wrote that thinking, you know, hopefully somebody will, but I don't know who's gonna. And then you popped up. And then from the moment I met you, and then I went back and told Polly, I was like, she's like us. She's got great energy. She can do this. Like, we need her on our
0: team. Well, that's how I felt too. Cause I mean, first of all, who even looks at those meetup, you know, message box? Yeah. Nobody. And <laughs> second of all, yeah, then when I met you and it just, you know, you, you just kind of click with people right. when people, you know, there's so many people in the world and even in the burlesque world that I've met and they're great people, but they're, you know, it's, you don't quite jive. You're not, yeah, it's yeah, not totally. quite the same, you know, the same feel. So right. it's really, it's, it's a blessing really when you, when you meet people that are just, you know, in the same, I don't know, the same energy, the same, you know area Mm -hmm. as you absolutely no it was
1: like that and so you know and that's always been the case even though you've moved away like for us you're not you're still part of the troop of course but it doesn't feel like you've moved It feels like, yeah, she's just an extension of us, but over there. You so, know?
0: It's like velvet. Oh yeah, she's just around the corner. She's just the traveling one. She's the traveling <laughs> <That's> one. <all. laughs> we never know where she's gonna be next. And we love her for it. Yes. So you mentioned um your you know, your kind of burlesque mentor, but do you have any other uh, people in the burlesque world that really just inspire you? You know, I've got i I've got a couple. I will first start with uh,
1: besides besides Adati. You now she has a she has a style that works wonderfully for her, and it's you know like it's what she's known for. Um, but it's not necessarily the style that would work best for me. So although although we have two very very different styles, she's very inspiring with the, just how creative she is. How also prolific because that woman works. She really hustles. She really makes it work. She makes a you know a living off of it, which is hard. So mm-hmm. you know I know she's out there really really working hard. So I give her lots of props for that. Um, but I do want to say that that's how I started in burlesque as a performer. And it was the woman with whom I connected in order to create burlesque Moulin, the kind of production entity that also is really inspiring. Uh, just to preface slightly before I, you know, mention her, I, the place I was working at the venue I was working at in uh, Berkeley at the time, bartending, it was a live music venue, really cool space. Uh, sh- the Shattuck down low no longer exists, but had a great run while it was around. They offered me the opportunity to you know, give me the stage and do a show, and I said, okay, I'll do one for my birthday, So I, but I had this venue, but I was brand new. I was not even a year into the burlesque world, and I felt kind of like a fraud. Putting a show together without even really having, you know, cut my teeth that much um, in the whole thing. That
0: imposter syndrome. Yeah.
1: Well, And I just didn't want to. And, I, and, you know, and I also just really wanted to respect, you know, the gals like Dottie and Bunny Pistol um, who've been hustling and having, having shows long before I came along. I didn't want to be like, blah, 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 the new girl. Let's do this. So I went to Dottie and she was a bit busy at that time to actually help run again another show over the other side of the bay, which was over in Oakland Berkeley area instead of San Francisco. And I connected with Isis Star. Isis Starr mm-hmm. is one of the women we call or one of the people we call a burlesque legend. She's been around performing um, six, since the 60s and 70s. Um, she has performed as a featured guest at the Munohu. She I mean, she's traveled around the world. Her little thing has traveled around the world tw- twice on a T-string, but she's the consummate performer. She's the performer through and through. And right now she is in her mid sixties, still absolutely amazing when it comes to performing. Whenever you see her, there's that grace, that ease of presence and that command of presence that happens, that only happens when you've been around so long as a performer, as a professional. Um, so I had a huge opportunity to put together this one show with someone who'd been performing for such a long time and all around the world. And I learned a lot from her and and she learned a lot from me, you know, as a performer, you're not necessarily a producer and vice versa. Um, and so we put together the first show and that was, we were sold out, we were packed. And then the venue asked us if we wanted to continue to do more shows. And so then Isis and I decided to like make it happen. And so it was, again, really amazing to be able to work on a on a day-in, day-out basis to put our monthly show together with um, Isis Star. So, you know, she's the, she's the first co-founder of Burlesque Moulin, the San Francisco part of it. And that name was really like her and I drinking wine at a little cafe, trying to, for the first show, not even knowing it was going to turn into anything. And be like, what can we give it that sounds like it's the Moulin Rouge, but well, we can't call it the Moulin Rouge. And we're like, Burlesque Moulin, perfect, you know, why not, in California. And so... You know, you come to France and you're like, oh shit! I'm actually doing shows that are not far from the Moulin Rouge. That's great. Yeah, that's it's so funny how that worked out. Now you happen to be there. Yeah, that was Moulin Rouge. <laughs> um, and so, so long story short, to answer the question, um, ISIS is definitely has been a huge influence in my life, um, and has I've learned a lot, like in the, in the good and the bad in the trenches. And just recently, I've chosen to go back into performing again because for quite a while I was just producing, mm-hmm. and um, I found it extremely difficult to produce constantly full time and perform and put out new uh, quality acts. Each act takes time. The costuming takes time. Um, I didn't want to just throw random things together. I wanted to make sure whatever I put on stage was worth it. So I stopped produ- performing for a while and started producing and produced, have been producing for quite quite a few years now, actually since 2010, 11-ish primarily. I've been producing nonstop. In the last year, I've decided to, you know, be more of an active performing member of the troupe. And I've had a moment where I said, well, who am I as a performer? What's my brand? I even put it out, Mm -hmm. you know, the question to you and the other girls. What is my brand? Because I found myself in a bit of a gap. I can brand others. I can work on others. And I know how to brand a show. But how do I brand myself as a performer? Uh, And I don't have the... The response, so if people are listening, it's not like I'm going to give you the equation for how to make this happen perfectly. But I will (laughs) say, um, what helped me get to the other side of Mm -hmm. the query dilemma was watching some videos by Pearl Noir, or of Pearl Noir, who Mm -hmm. is, if I'm not mistaken, number two of the top 50 uh, burlesque performers this year, 2015. I believe so, yeah. 20th century burlesque, and very well-merited. And what I loved about her is she's this deep powerful, um, strong presence of a woman that comes out in these, you know, kind of African based movements and, um, you know, solid, strong dance movements with, um, you know, very deliberate. And that really spoke to me because I think for a while I was really trying to go to this kind of perfect classic, let's, this is perfect and not realizing like my roots, really, I'm a Latina, I move. I was always in hip hop. I was always in step. Like my roots are definitely more straight dance and, and trying to go into, and I love cabaret, I took jazz, you know, all that. But to try to squish it into something that wasn't really mine, but trying to call it mine, I was like, I don't really know. I can pull it off, but it didn't fit right. And so watching that video just recently, uh, a couple of videos of Pearl Noir that really spoke to me and said, okay, I can, I, that, that's me. Like I see that and I can totally connect to her. Mm-hmm. That feeling it, that like out there and putting it all out and moving in that, classic grind and bump and like bringing it out and I was like okay and so that was a huge inspiration to be like I can just I can just do
0: me on stage yeah that it's really important to find not only like you know the inspirations um the the you know the classic the greats the the legends of burlesque but find that one or two that really connect with what you want to portray not just the style in general not just you know burlesque um maybe where the career is or anything like that but really as you look at something like branding, which, of course, uh, many of you know, I find hugely important. And as a little teaser, there may I may be coming out with something a little later on to kind of help burlesque performers with that because I think it is a big challenge. Yeah, absolutely. It's really important then to find someone that kind of has that inspiration for you that really, you know, that you can look at and be like, okay, so what are they doing? And really with an analytical eye, mm-hmm. not just enjoyment, right. but really look at exactly how are they showing me? I feel that they're strong. What are they doing that shows me that strength, that passion, that passion? power or whatever the the trade is
1: yeah no, I absolutely agree and I I mean I really see it with her and it's like there's a grounding there there's a Mm -hmm. solid grounding to her dance
0: that I that I feel I could tap into and pull out and, and have that be my my flavor well that's great I think that's really wonderful that you were able to find someone that really that you know that you can connect with in that way um, even just through the videos and just really bring that up. So it sounds like you've had some fabulous influences in your life both um, in person and over the interwebs. Yes. Um, you, you talked about you know kind of taking a step back from your performing in order to focus on producing and I'd like to talk to you now like that you've, that you're getting back into performing. Mm-hmm. What is your typical, um, where do you find inspiration for those acts or what's your act creation method? I mean, did you start over from scratch when you started performing again? And how did you kind of, how do you build up your repertoire of acts? That's I, a lot of questions. <laughs> I threw at you just now. <laughs> I, <I'm laughs> Take all,
1: whichever one you like and run Let's with process. it. Let's process. Okay. How do I build up my repertoire of acts? The very first one I put together was a, a concept that I had. I really wanted to come out with this like strong Latina kind of piece um, and I did, and but I had to find music that went with it. So that one, um, it was a different process. And from there, it kind of was more music that spoke to me, um, uh, primarily an emotion I wanted to evoke with that music, and then build act, uh, build the act based on that. And so I hear a song, and there's a particular emotion it evokes in me personally that I love. There's a, a beat maybe that really you know hooks me in, and then with that beat, I know I can kind of accomplish you know emitting or radiating certain feelings or emotions and so i run with that i do have one act where it was all costume based i had seen this like diana ross beautiful red tool puffy tool thing and Mm -hmm. i was like i want to wear a vet (laughs) so i made an entire motown kind of act based on this costume that my mom actually made for me stunning costume i don't know how many yards of tool went into it just so i could have this big puffy diana ross tool thing Lately, and this new act I'm putting together, which is really going to be kind of like this, a new, solid new one with more of a neo style than I've been doing in recently. This one is all music. I heard music, heard a song, the idea popped, uh, got a second song to go in to show kind of the juxtaposition within the main storyline that I've started to create. And then found like the stuff, the prefix song the little intro song to kind of set it all up. So there's a beginning, middle and end to three pieces of music, but it was really first inspired by the middle piece of music
0: that's really interesting too because I you know I've asked this question to um, pretty much all the other uh, ladies and gents that I've interviewed and the overall the majority uh, the, the most popular answer is music people mostly say that they're inspired by music but I like what you said specifically I think it's a little bit unique that you said like that it's music but not necessarily just the music it's that emotion mm-hmm. that the music inspires like for me it's often music but it's often maybe I'll hear the music and that'll make me think of a character right. and then I kind of go from there whereas for you it's the music which transitions in motion. I really like that. I think that's a really um, interesting way to go about it. You know, when we, we had um,
1: Princess Farhana came and taught, and mm-hmm. she, had these, she has this deck of cards, um, which are br- her brand. Um, she's fantastic. And if anyone has opportunity to ever take classes with her, I mean, you know, such a, again, a legend and a pro, absolute yes. legend and pro. She had these cards. And on the cards, so ha- she has these deck of cards and half of them have these emotions. And in her mm-hmm. class, you know, you kind of do this exercise where you have these emotion cards and you have to evoke certain emotions in the audience. And I really loved it because I don't, like you said, I rarely hear people say they put an act together because that's an emotion they want to invoke in the audience. Yeah. And so when I realized I, when I could finally put kind of words, a la- label or a title on it to what I was doing it, it clicked because it was something I was already doing naturally, but I hadn't really spoken it in such a way until Princess Farhana came. And I was like, oh, right, that's awesome. And, of course, I bought her cards because I really love the exercise of, all right, I have this emotion. Yeah. How would I portray that in burlesque? Like, well, how could I give that and make sure you walk away with it?
0: Yeah. Well, and I think that's the interesting key, too, because you and I both come from, you know, a a performance background as well, not just burlesque, but theater, theatrical and things like that. And we so often focus both in the theater community and in burlesque on what we're portraying right what what how our character feels, mm-hmm. but we don't always focus so much on the emotion we want to evoke, which is usually similar, but it can be a little bit different. And the right. way we approach that then is different if we're thinking more about how do we want to make the audience feel versus how our character feels. Yeah, well, not that one is right or wrong, but just they're different. They're different,
1: I, I, and since burlesque is so much about ha- giving to the audience, it's so based on the audience interaction. I mean, in public, your audience makes or breaks. The performance, yeah. so to speak, you can walk away even if the audience was dead. You can kill it. Sure, sure. feel fantastic. But, yes. but as we all know, when it comes to this kind of um, cabaret burlesque, you know, performance-based uh, art, your audience is key. They're they're that that's that fifth element, that fourth wall that you break and you discuss and you interact with. And so, why not give them the emotion?
0: But to do that, you have to really project. Yeah, and you have to think about. I mean, it, it's a, it's a conscious thing that you have to do to create that as well. You know, you have to project it out there. You have to think about exactly what it is you're doing. Right. Um, sometimes you can you know, get lucky and have it just happen, you know, doing it through an improv or through something like that. And sometimes you get lucky. But, you know, the, the, our act creation is much more conscious than I think a lot of audience members or even other performers maybe or producers yeah. realize. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a lot more. You don't get it until you actually start doing it. How
1: much work goes into it?
0: <laughs> it is a lot of work. And then once you've got it, I always say rehearsing a burlesque number is exhausting. Exhausting, because you gotta you take everything off, then you gotta put it all back on again, and start from the beginning. It's more exhausting than rehearsing for theater. I will say that. Yeah, well, you know, you're not taking off our clothes in theater. I mean, I can, but you know, that's a whole other story. Right. I finish I finish rehearsing an act, and then I look over and I'm like, ugh, uh, I gotta get it all back on again. Especially if it's you know
1: very (laughs) costume intensive. You know, there's lots of pieces to put on. Yeah, I know you. I mean, it looks beautiful on the stage and it looks so easy, like when all of it comes off and it looks it's fantastic and you're like, oh, that's just so easy. And then you do and you're like, oh, my God, that's so much work.
0: absolutely and this actually this transitions nicely into my next question um, i always like to talk a lot about kind of the reality of burlesque performance and preparation the good the bad and the ugly right mm-hmm. because it's not all just the beautiful fabulousness that we end up with most of the time you sometimes you get you know difficult producers you get costume malfunctions heckling audience members you get you know self doubt right. that comes inside of you. So what has been the worst moment of your burlesque or performance journey? I don't want to, you know, drudge this up to make you feel bad, but I, I like to show a little bit of that so that, yeah. you know, people who are listening can really connect. We all have bad moments. So what's been a bad moment for you so far?
1: Um, I've had, you know, both as a, I have one that's a producer and one as a performer. So the bad moments that I've had as a performer it was actually fairly recently. Uh, it was just last year, last September, and I was invited with Polly to perform at a festival here in Paris, uh, excuse me, in France. And I won't name anything specifically, but went to the festival and it was horribly disorganized. Um There was hours upon hours of wait, you know, despite the fact that i already given myself plenty of time to get prior to my call time and, you know, be there and kind of enjoy everything. Um And then, uh, you know, I walk in, the, the dressing room is, Almost outside, it's cold. I mean, as I think as a performer, we're used to dressing everywhere and anywhere. I've dressed in between vegetables in a restaurant (sighs) before. No exaggeration. Couldn't even move. Uh, Had a tomato on one side and lettuce on the other. (laughs) But I feel like there's an act in there. I I know. One of these days. You know, (laughs) there's an act in there. Kitchen act. I can feel it. So anyways, it all happens where, you know, I'm supposed to go up next. There's a band. Band stops. They barely move the cables out of the way, so I have to make sure I don't step over cables, which aren't supposed to be there, for me to be able to use the, the stage, you know, properly. And um, I am behind the wings, you know, behind the curtain getting ready, and the sound guy had been cued. My music was, uh, I was supposed to start stage, center stage, then cue music. He probably just didn't care. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Music started, barely could hear it. No one knew there was a, There was no lighting. Like all the lights had gone dim after the band before me. Uh, the guy rushed me out on stage. My music was already a good ten seconds, fifteen seconds into it. I couldn't hear it. I thought they were gonna. I thought he was checking levels. That's why I hesitated to go on stage. I thought he was gonna turn it back on, but he didn't. The music was going, and then he, the sound guy is waving at me to go on, and the guy manager is asking me to go on, and I was like, but, and so I go on because it's you know the show must go on. It was one of those like wait no I should tell him to start start over again, but I was so rushed I just went on. Chasing the beat, you know, chasing. I know my choreography, but I'm of course, now chasing the beat. No one's watching because they don't know there's a performer on stage until the lights come on halfway through. It's only a three minute, 30 second act. Um, so it's not even really long. So half the audience wasn't really even there. Uh, they finally turn the lights. Finally, music goes up to where it's supposed to be towards the end. And they don't even announce me prior or after. And so oh, all lovely. of that was pretty much like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's throw this performer on in between the bands. And I, and it wasn't only myself, unfortunately, Polly had an equally s- similar if not even worse experience with an act she was supposed to do on a motorcycle. Nonetheless, so mm-hmm. it was, uh, it was one of those. I walked away not feeling great about my performance at all, not feeling great just about in general of how to be treated as an artist. And I'm by far a prima donna, but at least, you know, at least a human consciousness like a hello and would you like some water yes. and thank you huh. and here's a dressing room that is not as cold as like the polar caps and, imagine that you no know, yeah. that would have been nice and so that just i i ran to the dressing room threw all my clothes and just like went home i was like i'm I have zero desire mm-hmm. to continue to stay here no purpose like i have no purpose being here i'm out of here mm-hmm. um and then again that evening unfortunately polly had just kind of a catastrophe As well, And hers was just horrible. And then then we had to fight tooth and nail to get paid. Because after all was said and done, of course, he said that, you know, they were somewhat disappointed in our performances, especially the fire performance that Polly did. But I mean, it was such a massive F up on their end that, you know, it was like, are you? I mean, are you kidding me? But then he didn't want to pay. And then he wanted to pay significantly less. And I wasn't there for this part, but Polly was telling me. And then she said, would you do this to one of your bands? Would you give them less than what you actually, you know, negotiated and discussed and agreed upon? And he's like, no, but it's because oh. the bands are all men. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, and so it was like that. No, that's not cool. And so fortunately, you know, one of the reasons I love Polly is that she's a fighter. So she fought for us to get paid what we were supposed to get paid. The grand story is when she said, no, it's X amount. And he's like, fine. After 30 minutes, the guy's like, fine, I'll pay you. He looks over to the guy who's doling out the cash and they don't have the cash. He's oh, like, we lovely. can't even pay you that much. We don't even have it. So all
0: in all, just one of those moments where you walk away thinking, you know, why do we do this? <laughs> yeah. You know, the biggest takeaway I have from that is just that, you know, it happens to everybody. I mean, obviously, you're a very seasoned, you know, a seasoned yeah, yeah, performer. Um, and, you know, it, it, so it, it's nice to hear because I think a lot of times, you know, newer performers get discouraged with things like that. Um, and on mm-hmm. one hand, it, you know, it stinks to hear that it happens so frequently to so many different performers. But on the other hand, it is nice to know it's not just you not you per se, but you know, it's not just, it's not just, you know, one of us, it happens all the time. It is tough in a, you know, the producer field is still fairly male dominated depending. um, And so that is a tough, a tough thing to do, especially shows that are not solely burlesque shows when you try to, you know, branch out and do other shows, which is really important, but the producers often are men and, and they kind of, then it turns into the boys club a little bit.
1: Yeah. And there's, you know, there is, uh,
0: unless you really are within the world of, you know,
1: variety burlesque cabaret, If you're on, if you're a different style of event producer, um, Mm -hmm. there can be the misunderstanding of what a burlesque performer is or does. That's a good point as well. That's a good point. Yeah. So they're not always schooled. It might just be sheer ignorance in the kind of very honest way of, I just don't know what this performer would need. I'm not a band. Uh, You know, you can probably throw a band in a barn and call it a day. But uh, Mm -hmm. You know, I might need a place I'd like to get changed out of public sight. absolutely you know, I might absolutely. be taking it off on stage but it doesn't mean that I want to do that when I'm off stage in front of everyone right So exactly so. and
0: I I will say too I, I did mention men not all male producers True. are like this. I, I will throw that out. I didn't mean to in, insinuate that because that's absolutely I've, I've worked with some wonderful male yeah, producers absolutely. and performers and everything so I didn't uh, take that back <laughs> I didn't mean to insinuate that at all no, no no but and that's absolutely understood of course and
1: it's you know the nature of the biz has a sometimes be one way or another Inter- interestingly enough in Paris there's majority female burlesque producers which is cool
0: yeah that is great
1: it's, it's actually really nice um, and in San Francisco that's also the big growing trend when before there were there weren't that many uh, as a producer I don't know if, um, right. because you know I did producing was so predominant for so long that the possibilities of the error, you know the the kind of like the low moments of producing arts there so often. And, mm-hmm. you know, besides the like, oh, the show here and there where it weren't as many people as you wanted or the general ups and downs like I was producing, I think the, really the, the hardest one, the most disappointing, yet the biggest lesson for me was a big show that I was producing when I moved from San Francisco to Paris. I was still producing a monthly in San Francisco, but I was co-producing it with at ISIS um, and then Ginger Star. So we were, able, we were invited to a new venue in San Francisco and we were creating a quite an ambitious project where it was going to be theatrical burlesque, um, you know, with a, with the through line and with the performances, with, of course, um, with more theatrical style performances. So rehearsed interludes, you know, musical numbers, live band. There was a lot of, it was a big show quite a bit of money being invested in it. And I had just moved here. So I couldn't, there wasn't enough money in the show for me to be in San Francisco full time to produce it. So I thought I could produce it from overseas. And, um, you know, and ran all aspects. And it was like, again, we were so big where there was playbills and the sandwich boards for the outside and like all kinds of marketing plans and all the concierges and a really great cast. So everybody that worked on it is an absolute pro. Um, the band that we worked with, I mean, these were, you know, these are bands that play with some of the top musicians in the world. So we have everything mm-hmm. working for us. And yet it tanked. It burnt. Oh, no. We had a three-month run we were supposed to be running. And I, you know, I think this is why I have so many gray hairs. (laughs) It was driving me crazy that already the nine-hour difference is pretty tough. To go to bed and wake up and have, you know, because in California things are still going on when I'm asleep. I wake up Mm -hmm. and just get a litany of what didn't work. Why? What's broken? Who wants to quit? Who's having a bit of a moment? You know, why isn't this, this, and this? And I was just like, oh, my God. It was Unbelievably stressful.
0: Not a way you want to wake up in the morning. Not a, And
1: I, it was just more often than not waking up to something's wrong. Something's mm-hmm. wrong. So uh, massive troubleshooting all the time. Um, and you know we put the show on and not the best reviews. Quite frankly, we weren't ready to go. We had a mm-hmm. major issue that had us chasing the start date, the open date that we had been, you know, that been on the press releases and on all flyers. So we had to do it, but we weren't ready because we had a massive delay. So we threw something on stage. up clearly wasn't ready. It kept mm-hmm. getting rehearsed. So by the f- third show, it was getting stronger. But it, mm-hmm. it would have needed to actually have the full run for it to get exactly where it needed. You know, halfway through, it would have mm-hmm. been tight and clean. And then we'd have really been able to pull it off. But we didn't get the chance. The venue owner canceled us halfway through the run, six weeks into it. Mm-hmm. And oh, by the end, a- the grand irony is the last two shows, we were sold out. uh. Such a bummer. But we couldn't. At that point, we had to shut down the show. Plus, we were in negative. The show had just—it took all of our love and life and blood and money. Mm-hmm. Um. So the show was such an intense experience. Um. In, in the both again positive and negative. At that point, I really couldn't see the positive out of it. I really was. Yeah. Um. I put a lot into it. All of us who worked on it, and again, I worked with just. Absolute amazing professionals in the industry and outside, you know, in all kinds of art industries, who helped make this production happen. And we put so much into it that it was such a disappointment when it didn't work out. That a lot of us walked away. <laughs> I know I'll speak mm. for myself. I walked away from burlesque for you know that the show closed mid March, and I I walked away until December was the first time I felt somewhat ready enough to do something again. Oh wow! And that's when. Polly and I launched the Kinky Parade in Paris and did our first kind of private event here. But I just, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. It was too much. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, absolutely the beauty of it is in retrospect, I see nothing but the things I've learned from it.
0: Well, sure. In retrospect, that's easy. Yeah. But I can (laughs) imagine, I can imagine at the time, that's a huge uh, downer, (laughs) to put it mildly, right, for everybody involved. So
1: yeah, I mean, a lot of people, producing is tough. And uh, mm-hmm. it's definitely not cut up for everybody. And not only is it um, you're constantly multitasking, making sure things happen. It takes a lot to put up on stage that which one sees. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know how many people realize like it doesn't just it's not just lights on and there's a show. There's so many little details. And so the opportunity for disappointment within the production end of it is so plenty <laughs> that mm-hmm. um, when things go well, you're like, whoa. Awesome. Another day, the job. Great. And then when they're not so well, you walk away like, ah, oh, why? you know, is it me? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're the one putting it together. Could it have been different if it, you know, I had approached it this way or done it this way or? So, you know, I was really stoked at the beginning. We were bringing on fantastic people within the burlesque world. Um, we cast excellent people. Now, you know, my error number one is we cast fantastic burlesque performers and expected them to learn how to act. Mm. And you realize that that's, uh, I mean, it doesn't always work that way. Uh, Nothing against them at at all. They're brilliant in their art form, without a doubt. But, you know, if they're not an actor, it's because that's not what they've chosen to do. They've chosen to be a singer or burlesque performer or what have you. Um, So that was a lesson number one. But again, brought on great cast. And then... Then things started to hit the, you know, the poop started to hit the fan. <laughs> and it
0: was. You can say shit. You can right, say shit. That Doing like. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. We are explicit on iTunes. Yes, so it I is love fun. it. All
1: right. <laughs> then motherfucking shit started to hit that motherfucking fan.
0: Yes, yes it, uh, do, let girl. me tell you. And
1: it was just like at one point it just became one thing after the other with our band after two weeks prior opening our banquet. We had to fire a band, excuse me, out of some major issues. So two weeks before closing, we don't have a band <laughs> and the whole thing is live music. Um, and so it just that was really the big pie. I don't even know if that was the beginning of the end, but that definitely catalysts a lot of all the other stuff that just kind of unraveled throughout the process. So
0: I can only imagine how tough that was going through several months of just, you know, just worsening things and keep hoping it'll turn around. And then by the end when it does and it it still and it must, you know, like you said, it affected you for for a while afterwards. So to kind of flip the tables and get on a happier note, how about a particular best moment that really just kind of reinforced your decision to be a performer, to be a producer, uh, just a moment that really resonated with you?
1: A moment that really resonated with me in a, in kind of like the beautiful moment, those, those um, shining moments, um, in mm-hmm. performance in general and in the burlesque world for me really was our, was our first show, the first show I co-produced with Isis, the one that was for our birthdays. Um, mm-hmm. the very first one, you know, I was, had been performing for about a year. And like I said before, we had the opportunity to put this show together. And so we did. And we created, you know, I had, been at that point traveling back and forth between Paris and San Francisco or Mm -hmm. Oakland. And I really love the, that cozy, intimate feeling of a cabaret, kind of that warmth and that feeling and overall kind of general feeling when you imagine a Parisian cabaret and wanted to recreate that for our birthday show. Again, hence how we got the name Burlesque Moulin. So we, we curate, cur- curated, excuse me, curated the show with a specific performer, performers, our favorite performers from the Bay Area and asked them to do a French based show in whatever style, whatever that represented t- for them as uh, San Francisco based performers. We put together this amazing show. We were, we were sold out. We had done cabaret style seating. We had a chef. We had, you know, the champagne. We had everything. And I remember being backstage. Looking onto the stage at the point when um, one of my favorite Bay Area performers, singer, like rock star, super cool chick, her name is Casey Castile, when she was singing a song, and I remember seeing her, seeing how the audience was responding, how it all felt, and it kind of, you know, I got the the goosebumps, the shivers up and down, just got them, of thinking this is it, this was our vision, this is what we wanted to create. And this is what we've created. So it was a really beautiful moment where I know I felt it. And then at the afterwards, you know, Isis and I discussed it and she was she said, this was our vision. This was it. We did it. And, and we did. And that's really what gave us the That was the impetus to continue to do and create shows in San Francisco and to create a Paris meets
0: San Francisco kind of style, which is what we were doing over there. Oh, it's so magical. Yeah. I, I, moments like that are, you you never know when they're coming, but when they, they hit you, you never forget them. No,
1: I, I Elizabeth Gilbert has a really great Ted talks about when genies comes. Oh, I love her. It's such a great yeah. talk. And it's really that like, it comes in it, you know, you, you're possessed by this kind of mm-hmm. you know, genie and, uh, mm-hmm. and it, you have those feelings and you know, apparently it is really when you have that genie moment in you, when you get those shivers, the feeling that, you know, you're on the right path. It's, All the universe is letting you know this is what you're – keep doing this as you're supposed to be doing this.
0: Absolutely. Have you read her Big Magic yet,
1: her book? No, I haven't. Is it good?
0: I haven't haven't uh, started reading it yet. I've read some excerpts and I've heard some interviews with her as she was promoting it. And I really – it's on my list with a million other books, of course, to read. (laughs) Well, I
1: know. One of these days when I
0: no longer have a toddler, I'll go back to those – Yeah, there's that. Yeah. Well, I'd like to kind of go now into a little bit of a, a kind of a quick fire. Okay. I have two shorter questions, and then we'll get into kind of my fun little pick your poison. Awesome. Um, the first one, you know, just kind of in, in a nutshell, what do you find is one of your biggest challenges as a performer, on stage or off?
1: Um, one of the biggest challenges as a performer, oh, I would have to say it's off stage at this point, and it's really finding the time. I mean, in all honesty, at this mm-hmm. point in my life, um, I would every burlesque act I, I create from here on in, I really want to give it my all and mm-hmm. and put the all into the costuming into the creation of it. And it takes time. And so yeah. with I have, a, I have a full-time job as a screenwriter, um, I'm you know full-time mom and wife and also full-time running burlesque Milan. And so now trying to add the artist part of it, it's you know, it's easier for me to say no, I'm just gonna produce, but I, I the call of the stage, you know, it's, it's calling me again. so
0: absolutely it's, it's hard to find that, you know to get that time. yeah. so right now it's really just time, time management overall. for yeah. me. All right. And so how about, in a nutshell again, what is one thing that you always have in your burlesque backstage kit? Scissors. Scissors.
1: Always. Jeez. You don't know what you're going to need the gut. And, of course, uh, carpet tape
0: for the pasties
1: because you do yes. know. Got to have that.
0: All right. And so the next little section is called Pick Your Poison. And I have revamped this a little bit since some of our last interviews. So I have some new questions and some old goodies. But I have nine of them. And all I need you to do is just pick one of them. They're just so that we can get to know you a little bit better. Not burlesque related. Um, just so we can get to know you. And just pick a number one through nine. And we'll get to know you a little better. Okay. Uh, nine mm-hmm. jumped out at me. Number nine. What was the last picture that you took with your phone? Uh, last night... I worked a bachelorette party, and I did a selfie with there the you girls go.
1: of the party, and coincidentally, I will let you know, Velvet, um, the, they hired us because they saw us at the Odd Sullivan Show when we performed and won that round in September, so they saw us there, they booked us for the private event, and one of the judges, the guy with the dreads,
0: he was there too. Oh, so much fun. Yeah. That was great. That was a really, really fun show to do. That was that was great. Yeah, that <laughs>
1: the, was a lot, was a lot of fun. And then when I asked them, I didn't even know because the guy, it took me a second to place him. And when I asked them, uh, how did you hear about burlesque or, you know, what do you know
0: about burlesque? And one of them said, I saw you perform. And I was like, oh, I get it. So cool, very good, and and you guys should be having the um the kind of the finals for that over that I can't perform in because I'm not in Paris, but that should be coming up fairly soon, isn't it? Yeah, actually, that should be coming up if I'm not mistaken, mid May I think is the uh, date, which is perfect because we have to rehearse. Uh if, if see once they invent teleportation, life will be so much easier because I can you know kind of live here and there at the same time. Yeah, it'll be great. Absolutely, but when you teleport, make sure all of you get here because sometimes you know. Never... Yeah, you know. Do you ever see The Fly? Yeah, That's a fun movie. <laughs> God, I have an unhealthy fetish with Jeff Goldblum, so I've seen that movie more times than I would ever uh, care to admit. But, alright, so our next little section I like to call this or that. Um, so I'm going to give you two choices, kind of a rapid fire. Just give me which one you prefer of the two. And I always like to let my interviewees know you can interpret these in any way you like. Sound good? Sounds great. Alright, let's give it a go. Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts? Starbucks. City or country? Oof. Damn it, that's a hard one. City, I guess. Love or money? Love. Dita Von Tees or dirty martini? Dirty martini. A dirty martini or a pint of beer? A pint of beer. Day or night? Day. Harry Potter or Star Wars? Star Wars. Yeah. (laughs) Top or bottom? (laughs) Top. In any interpretation you (laughs) like. Top. Mountains or ocean? Ooh, can I have the combo
1: mountain-ocean, mountain view of the ocean? Yeah, come on. Uh, You can get that that in the south of
0: France, right? Yeah, I know you get them all over the place, but if not, ocean. Okay. Classic or neo-burlesque? Neo. Peanut butter or jelly? Peanut butter. Comedy or tragedy? Comedy. Marvel or DC? Ooh, these are good ones. (sighs) Marvel. Sleep or sex?
1: Yeah, that's always a tough one. Nowadays, Mm. sleep is so limited. I'm going to go
0: with that one. We got a toddler running around. Yeah. That's normal. Yeah. <laughs> Heels or bare feet? Bare feet. And lastly, there's a tough one. Paris or San Francisco? Oh,
1: God I know. You I
0: know. velvet. I
1: know. Uh, you know, I
0: absolutely love Paris, but San Francisco is really where my heart's at. Gotcha. I understand completely. It's a tough one, especially for you. You're, you, you know, I think when I initially came up with that question, you were the first person I thought, it's going to answer this.
1: <laughs> it is a really tough one. I and, mean, you
0: know, it's, it's, it's what keeps me here and wants me going back all at the same time. Again, teleportation. We'll get that going soon. Yes. Um so I always like to ask my interviewees as well uh, how do you kind of stay current on Burlesque news? The internet is a big place and it's hard to find, you know, to find information all the time. So do you have any go-to places that you like to look up, look things up? I don't have one
1: specific go-to place besides Facebook. I got to be honest with you, you know, props to Zuckerberg. It, overall just there you know with having so many connections, Burlesque connections within my profile, then there's so much news that's shared that I'm constantly reading. So, yeah. um, and I'm most connected when it comes to my phone, you know, travel time between home and work, um, absolutely. idle time hanging out somewhere, doing something, waiting for things. Uh, you could qu- quick news feed check and then that I'll always click on articles and I'm always, always, always reading. So might not yeah. be as interesting as maybe some of the other sources, but I do have. No, no, absolutely. Facebook. I mean, that's it.
0: Keeps me current and it's also just because I'm curious. So I do want to click on all the other links that I get. Thanks to Facebook. I mean that has been a great way to really kind of consolidate everything into one place so we don't have to go to a whole bunch of different websites right. to keep uh, you know, check every day. So right, right. But I think I think you have to be active as well. Like
1: I you know I could yeah. they could come in my feed and I can just pass by them, but I make it an effort. I make an effort to like click on it and read the articles that come through as well as if you belong to burlesque groups and people post in those groups, then read them. Read what's
0: being Absolutely. Posted. Absolutely. It's easy for things to just get lost. Yeah. And then, you know, me, I'm, I've become guilty. I've discovered that um, save link option on Facebook, oh, yeah, and which is not good for me because then I'll just save and be like, oh, I'll read it later. And then I often do not. So I have to get a little <laughs> bit, I have to be better about that. I ignore that exists. It doesn't. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. I wish I hadn't (laughs) discovered it. So, um, all right. How about some videos? Cause you know, the internet, there's a lot of videos. Can you give us, um, I'm going to ask for two YouTube videos or Vimeo or whatever video you use, um, that we should check out. And of course I will link these in the show notes page, which will be at burlesquestrippeddown.com slash Ava, E-V-A. Um, one of yours, if you have any up and then one that you just can't get enough of these days. Um we do we do
1: have our most current
0: uh, promotional video which is
1: on YouTube um, and you're going to just have to post the link cuz I don't have a drag link. Uh, no worries all in information but yeah there's me. the one that was we took uh, that was taken that was done or shot I should say uh, a year ago at our um, student showcase show Um, but it's a really fantastic kind of behind the scenes and on the scenes. It was a light, nice, large production, you know, with the whole makeup artists and the costumers. And so it was really great to have the combo behind the scenes and on on stage. So I do recommend if you want to check out a little bit of who we are and what we do that video, we do have more videos coming up soon. And as I mentioned, plugging it it once again, after the September video shoot, We'll have many new things out on the interwebs yeah. for people to peek at. Um, and a video for people to watch. God, that is a really good question because I watch so much. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if I have a favorite. i got to be honest with you. That's uh, all right. I mean, anything you, I on, know you gave us that one about Van Gogh earlier. So well, there's that. the one on Van Gogh, that is absolutely stunning, mm-hmm. and it's something that I most recently watched. Um, there mm-hmm. are countless and countless TED Talks I could point people to. Um, mm-hmm. I have not watched this, but I would absolutely love to, when it becomes available, Coco Electric, who is our guest teacher this month, her and Ruby Jewel mm-hmm. apparently did a TED-style talk in a forum in Austin that's somewhat similar oh, on really? burlesque. Um, and it's, I believe it's like its influence on uh, femininity or this pretty wild conversation she created around that. I would absolutely love to see it. I have yet to get to see it, but it does sound fantastic. And um, knowing where she's coming from, I'm sure it's got quite a fantastic insight on burlesque and, and femininity and, and you know being a woman in general.
0: Definitely. Yeah, that sounds really, really interesting. If, um, if you find it, if you have it, you can send it to me. Yes. I'll put it as up in the show post notes. post it because I know she just did the talk fairly recently. Oh, thanks. Okay. And she was waiting to be able to get the video and post it. Okay, great. Well, if you are listening to this kind of in the future, then hopefully. you can, uh, hopefully we'll already, as soon as I get it, I'll add it to the show notes yes. page and we'll have it up there as ASAP. So. All right. And lastly, of course, it's been really wonderful talking with you. And I'm sure that some of our listeners want to kind of keep updated with what you're doing. So what are the best ways to keep up with you and get in contact with you if we want to hear more? Um, of course, there is our website, which is
1: uh, fr um, and that's the overall general site for all things we do burlesque Moulin uh, Paris and San Francisco, um, and also our burlesque and cabaret school, which is called Ecole Atelier Atise Atelier a tease like you tease me. Um,
0: mm-hmm. And so
1: all that information is on our website. For me personally, oh excuse me, you can also find us on Facebook. We have our burlesque Moulin Facebook page, and me personally, uh, my little endeavors in life. You can find me in my. Uh, page on Facebook under Eva Valentina. You can also find Burlesque Mulan on Instagram. You can find us on Twitter. And you can find Burlesque Mulan on Pinterest. And soon enough, we will have our own channel. So check in with us toward the second half of this year for the Burlesque Mulan TV channel, because
0: that is coming up. Yay! So exciting. All the all the good social networks that we are on. Um, oh, we're also very- on... Snapchat. Sorry. Forgot to mention that one. We're on Snapchat.
1: We we're going to be on Vine soon. I there mean, you go. I think we're going to periscope pretty soon. I mean, just keep looking for us because we're going to dominate the airwaves, the broadcast yes. waves, the interweb yes. waves.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I know that something that's kind of in the works, if I can tease it a little bit, I hope you don't mind, sure. um, is that we are looking in the future in a couple months maybe to set up um, a Patreon account as well yes. so that you can support the troop um, if you like what 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 Burles Maloney is doing, what we're putting out there. Um, so as soon as that kind of gets worked out, I will add that into the show notes as well.
1: Please, as a matter of fact, as Velvet said, our Patreon account will be up and running within the next couple months, hopefully. And not only will that go to help us create, you know, um, to be able to produce the content that we would really love to go out there and produce uh, to um, educate, illustrate, entertain you, our audience. But also um, a lot of our charity work we've, recently been really fortunate to team up with the woman who runs the odd Sullivan show, um, who runs an association, a benevolent association here in Paris called Elle Danse. They dance female. Um, and, uh, we provide, we, we teach, uh, burlesque classes at a very inexpensive, almost free rate to women of, uh, breast cancer, breast cancer survivors, women suffering from breast cancer and or women who are going through precarious situations in life. Um, and so we are, we've already done a couple classes with her and we're actually going to start augmenting, adding more classes and more, um, workshops for the women as the time, as everything moves forward. So that would also be on our Patreon. So we can continue to do that. We are, our dream on our Patreon, you can see it, is to create burlesque without borders. So to be able to give back to our community through the entertainment and the lifestyle and
0: the powerful self-expression that is burlesque. That is a beautiful way to wrap up our interview, Ava. (laughs) I love it. Burlesque Without Borders, embracing, all-inclusive. I love it. It's great. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on today. Um, Was there anything else you wanted to share with our audience? Um, I think we all about covered it. Just thank you, audience, for being there, for continually showing up, supporting us,
1: loving us. You inspire us. And uh, Velvet, thank you so much. It's such a pleasure uh, to chat with you. You know I love talking with you and uh, we do miss you so much you're not here with us but you are actually just still here with us so it's like it's like you never left but you know we're also really proud of you and your podcast so thank you for having me and for inviting me
0: And there we have it, ladies and gentlemen, Ava Valentina, the Latino legend. I don't know. We haven't come up. I haven't come up with the tagline for her yet. I mean, we're going to have to come up with something good. I don't know. Maybe she has one that she hasn't told me about, but I do not got one yet. <laughs> She's amazing. If you are ever in Paris and you want to come see us, as she mentioned, we are, um, they are doing, I'm not there. It's so sad. They are doing a monthly burlesque brunch show at Burlesque Moulin, and you can find all the information on that at burlesque or on the Facebook page, uh, and I'll link all that up in the show notes, which will be at burleskstrippedown.com slash Ava E-V-A. So thank you so much for being on, Ava. I really appreciate it. Um, now I've had two of the lovely members, the two founding members of Burlesque Milan, at least in Paris. Um, and so I'm looking forward to bringing on Babette de la Butte, uh, darling, if you're listening, we got to schedule something with you soon, as well as perhaps some of the founding members from back in San Francisco. So I'll continue bringing those to you as well as a variety of other artists. You must listen in next Monday for our next interview. I'm not going to tell you who it's with, but I will tell you that she is an Asian sensation. All right, this is big. This is big, and I'm super excited. We had an amazing inter- Amazing again. I need some new vocabulary, people. She's a fantastic performer, and I was really, really excited to bring her on, so you're definitely going to want to tune in for that. Before I sign off today, I did want to uh, give a couple shout-outs, like I mentioned. I had a couple messages from some fantastic young ladies on Facebook. Um, Belle DeVere, thank you so much for messaging me. She says, Hi, Velvet. I'm in the process of unpacking and painting my new house and have been binge listening to your burlesque stripped-down podcast while doing so. I can't believe I haven't discovered it until recently. I just wanted to let you know how much I am enjoying listening to it, and it certainly helps ease the stress of moving. And she says, best wishes, Belle. So sweet. And I received it on my birthday. So that made it even kind of like a doubly amazing <laughs> message to get. So thank you, Belle. I really appreciate that and shout out to you. And I also got a little, a short little message from Fifi Baum, who says that she just found my podcast today, because this was a couple weeks ago, and that she loves it. So thank you, Fifi. I'm glad to have you as one of the listeners. I hope that you're enjoying these, this new round of podcasts as well. Once again, I love to hear from you, so please do send me your love, send me your words. I'll take some constructive criticism as well. I always want to keep bettering things and making them even better for my audience. So any advice, any um, input that you have is more than welcome. You can message me on Facebook through my Burlesque Strip Down page, um, through email, velvet at burlesque strip down, or like I said, leaving a message on the right-hand side of any of those um, show notes pages, burlesquestrippedown.com. And that about does it for us today. Once again, you're going to want to listen in on next Monday for a super exciting Asian sensation that we're bringing on. I can't wait for that. I'll have a course of hot tips episode up on Thursday for you as well. In the meantime, don't forget to share the love, spread it around, be your own inspiration, be inspiration for others, and make sure to stay sexy.